Hello, and welcome to Big Fish in the Talent Pool with your host, Aaron Peterson, partner and global talent acquisition consultant with People Results. In each episode, Aaron interviews a corporate head of talent acquisition to shine a light on how they got there, what keeps them up at night, and their views on all the hot topics in TA today. There's nothing Erin is afraid to ask because she's been there. Now here's your host, Erin Peterson. I'm here with Lisa Kane of iRhythm in beautiful Chicago, Illinois. Lisa, welcome to the Big Fish in the Talent Pool podcast. Hi, Erin. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. All right. And we're glad to have you on the podcast really just to talk about all the things that I am always interested in and curious about with talent acquisition leaders and talent management leaders. And that is what got you here. Tell us about what you're doing today and um, how that matches up to what you thought you would be doing and any advice that you have for young professionals who are considering a career in leadership in talent. So with that, let's get going. Okay. Okay. So first of all, iRhythm. So it's not a household name. No. It's a pretty cool company, though. Talk about what is iRhythm and, and what's their product and mission. Absolutely. So iRhythm Technologies is a medical device company. We're headquartered in San Francisco, and we like to use the phrase disruptive technology because a lot of what we do is really disrupting the industry. If I had to put it in a neat little box, it would be a cardiac monitoring device company, but we're not truly just a product company. So the best thing I can do is ask you to picture a halter monitor. So if you or someone you know has um, concerns about heart rhythms or their doctor has concerns about heart rhythm, chances are they'll ask them to wear a halter monitor and it has all the leads, like five different leads you put on your chest. Mm-hmm. And then you wear it for about two days, sometimes a little bit longer, and it will record your heart rhythm that EKG data is sent to your doctor, and then they'll interpret it. So that's pretty much been a standard of care for the last 50 years. And what iRhythm's done is they've really taken that and kind of turned it upside down. And so the device that we have, it looks almost like a big Band-Aid. And a lot of technology is going on in that little Band-Aid. And what it does is it records your heart rhythm for up to 14 days continually. Um, and we encourage active lifestyles so people can shower, exercise, and most people won't know that they're doing that. Um, so that's a big benefit. But really what also sets it apart is all the data that we gather and provide to cardiologists that will help determine you know, whether there is pauses, um, if there is atrial fibrillation, um, and it really is taking the market by storm. Mm. Awesome. Okay. And so the mission is to really disrupt what has been a not very disruptive technology for 50 years. Exactly. Give more data with better outcomes, I would imagine. And so I've got an Apple Watch, which it can monitor as well when I tell it to. How Mm -hmm. How is iRhythm different from my Apple Watch? So when the Apple Watch first came out with that service, we did get a lot of questions like that. And so I'm going to back into that answer. Uh But the way we look at it is it is just an advantage for us. So the Apple Watch, great technology. It's not FDA. It's not a medical device. What it will do is detect if there is some abnormalities or arrhythmias going on. The first thing that you're going to do is you're going to go to your physician and say, hey, my watch gave me this information. The next thing your physician is going to do is then say, okay, you know what? We need to get better data. 
let's look at a true medical device. And then hopefully you'll get the patch is what we call um, the ZEO patch. And that's going to give the physician more of a kind of a clinical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So it really is a, a way to create even more opportunities or diagnosis or potential diagnosis for us to say, all right, you know what, let's take a serious look at this. Let's look at your heart. We're going to, you know, wear it for 14 days. We have um, the opportunity where there's an auto trigger that will also send a signal to us automatically if there is something with the heart, whether there's the pause. So it really takes it up a different level. The Mm -hmm. Apple Watch is really kind of a a great starting point and really more of an awareness um, to help other people. So it's high level data is what I've got. Yes. And the Zio patch, you you called it, is what gives us very detailed data to really try and get you to some kind of a diagnosis. Absolutely. Sounds like got it. Okay. You are the director of talent management, or should I say director of HR? So I'm kind of in a in a unique role right now, and um, I'd make up my title every day. So okay, on what, uh, <laughs> that what would I'm be normal. Day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good. And so your role is previously you were leading talent acquisition. Yes. And you're now working more in the talent management space, especially innovating how your organization does onboarding and ensuring that the the talent that you are acquiring is going to be Mm -hmm. happy and stay. So really more the the workforce engagement concept. Also employee experience is the word that you used, right? So you're you're the person who's creating the employee experience for iRhythm. Right. Exactly. Super cool. So is if you look at you know, retention, you know, everybody knows the type of market that we're in right now. And it is definitely a buyer's market mm-hmm. as a candidate or a potential employee. And so what we want to do is really make sure our employees are engaged and happy. Because we are so passionate about what we do, it's really important to us that our employees have that same passion. It may sound cliche of you know, what we do actually saves lives, but it, it really does help save lives. Yeah. And it's pretty impactful when you think about it. Right. And so we want people to be here for the right reason. And once they're here, we want them to stay for the right reason. You know, we want to make sure that they're feeling engaged, that they're feeling valued, that they're feeling that they're part of a community. That's really important. Most of our employees are located in San Francisco, and that is a highly competitive market out there. And so... You know, we're competing with companies like Facebook, Google, Airbnb. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that we can demonstrate why that people came here for the right reason. Even in the biotech space, I would imagine those are your competitors. Absolutely. It's not just about programmers. Oh, no, right? no, no. Yeah. It, Interesting. It everybody's everybody's working on wearables. Everybody's working yes, on biotechnology. Yep. Everybody's got big missions. Yep. So, wow. Google so. just bought Fitbit. Yeah, so we're yeah. all kind of wondering, you know, yeah. what's that going to mean? That going? Sure. Um, yeah, they've been dabbling in the healthcare market. So, uh, yeah. and they have resources. Interesting. And they definitely have resources. <laughs> okay. So competition for talent continues to mm-hmm. escalate and be ramped up. Take me back to just a few details on iRhythm. How many employees globally? Right now, we've just tapped over a thousand. Okay. So when I started... Um, about four years ago, we were about 200 mm-hmm. employees. We were private. Um, it was kind of an opportunity that came up to kind of help um, start 
with some hiring because they had never had a HR person that focused on talent acquisition. I actually came in as a consultant. Word got out that we they, there's a resource for hiring, and yeah. it kind of blossomed from there. Okay. So I built the talent acquisition function from the ground up. Mm-hmm. We didn't have technology. We didn't have processes. We didn't have tools. Wow. It was a definite challenge, a lot of hours, but I've always been attracted to builds throughout my career. Mm-hmm. I started with Discover Card mm-hmm. right before they launched. They were still owned by Sears. Mm-hmm. And so we, that was a huge build. When I joined Hewitt, they mm-hmm. were just building their HR outsourcing uh-huh. function. And that was a huge build. So um, I tend to be attracted to crazy, wild, hey, let's figure this out as Greenfield. we go along. Brand new. Love it. Okay. Actually, and so thank you for going back in time a little bit because I wanted to go there anyway and just kind of trace the thread from where you started with Discover. By that time, you were kind of carving out for yourself a financial services niche. Yeah. So, you, so you decided to go deep functionally then because mm-hmm. you were you were an HR generalist. Right. Most people start recruiting and then they tend to gravitate more towards an HR business partner or mm-hmm. a generalist. You know, I just seem to have this attraction to talent acquisition and okay. kind of a crazy like a moth way. to the flame. It is a moth <laughs> to the flame. Sometimes okay. that flame's pretty big. Uh, but yeah, so I did start in more of a generalist role with Discover Card. Uh, it, they had other companies as kind of a, a multifaceted organization and got more into kind of benefits, into training. I did a lot of training, build training programs facilitate training. Mm-hmm. And I took that when I went to Scudder Kemper Investments. That was mutual fund, investment banking, and um, working on LaSalle streets mm-hmm. in the in the late 80s. Uh-huh. A really exciting time to be down there. Yeah. And that was financial services was the place to be. For sure. You know, I started then getting into benefit administration, which was totally not me. Uh-huh. Um, I Why not? I am not a very detailed analytical person, okay. and I've learned that uh-huh. kind of the hard way. But um, I, I've really kind of had to force myself to be like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I keep going back to talent acquisition is because you still need to be structured, but it doesn't tend to be you know routine. It's mm-hmm. unexpected and I like those type of environments. Okay. You know, so you're a little more comfortable with ambiguity? Yes. Would that be a good way so. to put I'm it? I'm not okay. a check the box type. And then Hydric and Struggles approached me. I knew somebody that worked there. You know, Hydric and Struggles, of course, is one of the premier executive search firms. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, what better way to really hone my skills yeah. and than to join a, a top executive search firm. Yeah. And so I joined the healthcare practice. Oh, okay. All right. So now so we're starting to say so switched industries and went deep functionally. I did. All I right. did. So. And spent time on the healthcare services and okay. the healthcare products uh-huh. and really became immersed in that industry. And mm-hmm. still, even today, you know, people talk about healthcare systems or like, it always throws me back. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. I think I helped place the CEO of that. And, yeah. You know, so it's kind of a nice throwback, but that was truly my first exposure. So then you stayed focusing on executive recruitment, but went over to Hewitt. So what was, tell us about that switch. So, you know, two years with Hydrogen Struggles was, again, a phenomenal opportunity. But again, I I found that I was missing the corporate environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when you work in executive search and I was on the associate side, I mean, you certainly have interaction with candidates and with the client, 
but I truly missed that broader exposure to an organization. Um, And again, I I like to kind of spread my wings a bit. And so an opportunity came up at Hewitt. Again, I I knew somebody that had worked there. I've been really fortunate, knock on wood, that all my opportunities have come from somebody that I've known in in the past. Uh And um, it's really kind of led me to my next adventure. And then so when I started with Hewitt, it was back into really kind of a different type of a role. Um, It was recruiting, but again, it was building this really very service-oriented team. Mm -hmm. Um, Benefit outsourcing and HR outsourcing was very new. Um, Hewitt was one of the pioneers. And so it was very customer service driven. And you so again, kind of going back to... um, you know, stepping away from the executive search. Right. But again, it's that opportunity to build something. Uh, and so. So was that volume recruiting or was it? It was more... actually volume recruiting. Okay. Which again so building the, the benefits outsourcing mm-hmm. team. Yep. Oh my goodness. That ended up being thousands and thousands of people. Yes. Big. So yeah. how did you put your fingerprints on building that practice? Well, um, I think what I helped to do is really kind of build somewhat of a structure and you know, I, I love to be creative. And I think, again, another thing I like about recruiting is that it's almost like problem solving mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it's OK, you know, here's the ultimate goal. How are we going to get there? What are we going to do? Uh, what obstacles may come along? Mm-hmm. How let's be proactive and think about how we're going to address those beforehand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, that's kind of, again, you know, where I think I hope I added some value is really setting some foundation mm-hmm. for that high growth. How did you do that? And so it was really just like networking, community outreaches, you know, those massive uh, interview days, uh, the training on interviewing. Um, so it was just kind of like, let's cast a really wide net, mm-hmm. you know, connect with local organizations and um, yeah. and see what we can do from there. And this was probably before the days of Internet sourcing. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yes. you were... Doing the pick and shovel work yourself. Yes, the okay. ads in the paper, mm-hmm. the going on site, oh telling you know different organizations or associations what we do, why we're doing it. Yeah. So it, it was definitely a lot of uh, rolling up your sleeves. Wow. You, you had your own search firm for a I while. Did. So uh, what prompted that? Uh, two little ones prompted oh, that. Of course. So okay. um, my kids were getting into school age, mm-hmm. and I found that when they're infants, it's easier to work just because you know. I'm I was blessed with a fabulous in-house um, caretaker, uh, which was great. But as they became a little bit older and started getting to the school age, mm-hmm. I wanted to be that Uber mom and, mm-hmm. you know, volunteer for this and do that. And so I felt that, you know, having my own business would allow me that opportunity. Right. Um, unfortunately, my timing probably could not have been worse. Uh-huh. It was so, 2007, wasn't it? Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it started off with a bang Ugh. and then ended in a bang. Yeah. Um, so just really kind of shortly after the market just yeah. crashed. That was a great learning experience for me because I found that I had to continually reinvent myself. So what so, did you do? Well, I did a little bit of everything. I wrote resumes. I had outsourcing services. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to pick up a couple searches from some local organizations. It really had to kind of do with what the market needed. Mm-hmm. And and that was writing resumes and helping with outsourcing. Not outsourcing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Outplacement? Outplacement. Yeah. Learned a lot, again, yeah. you know, and really had to network pretty heavily to kind of get bits and pieces here. But 
again, it kind of taught me a lot about resilience. And mm-hmm. I think that's helped me be successful throughout my career Good. is um, the ability to be resilient mm-hmm. and not give up and continue to you know, just really push forward. Are there any words of wisdom that came out of that time? Things that you use to motivate yourself on a daily basis when the market just wasn't cooperating? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's that never give up type of mentality. Okay. And, yeah. you know, life's going to throw you curveballs yeah. and you just got to gotta work through it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's easy to say this is not going to work. I'm, I'm going to feel sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that because life, again, throws you curveballs mm-hmm. and you just make the best of it and you persevere. And I think, you know, at the end, you're really better for it. And yes. you take something and you learn from it. And I know this sounds kind of like fluffy, but it truly has helped me as I've succeeded and moved through my career. And I would imagine it remains as a sort of an inspiration to you when maybe not the same situation comes mm-hmm. along, but you face other challenges Absolutely. and you think, hey, I made it through 2007, 2008. Right, I can make and it through anything. I can make it through anything. <laughs> I love it. You've also got a communications background. Mm-hmm. So you studied communications, but you never really worked in a PR job or communications no. job. What? How? Tell, tell me about that. What, what so, was the... And so I try to tailor it. I am, I've no surprise, never been super structured in my interview. I tend to have conversations mm-hmm. more than, okay, give me an example about a time. You know, that certainly is a great guide, but then I kind of take the conversation where I'm hoping it will go. Uh-huh. And within that, it is also that storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, at iRhythm, we have so many tremendous stories about patients. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. Um, really what we've done to impact lives. Mm-hmm. And those are really easy and impactful stories to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, when you tell somebody that before the patch, before somebody, you know, I rhythm, this person suffered this afterwards, the quality of life, actually saving a life that tells a lot. It does. And so, you know, it's the mission of our, the company, but it's also where we're going. You know, mm-hmm. we are very advanced in our technology. Um, the data we have is is outrageous, the amount of data and what we're doing with the data. Yeah. All these heart rhythms, we're partnering with outside organizations um, to helping others with, you know, the heart data and the rhythms and what does all this mean? Mm-hmm. How can we be more preventive in the future? Mm-hmm. So it, it's the passion, but it's also... We've got super, super smart people and yeah. are doing really, really great things in technology um, and just the overall services that we offer. It's not just a, a patch or a, a, a device. It's all everything that goes within it, wow. all the, the core services, the supporting services. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty great story. In this world where candidates, tech, non-tech, doesn't matter, they want to align themselves with mm-hmm. an organization that is doing good. That would seem to me to be an easy sell. So yes. where then does some of the challenges come from in finding and acquiring the right people? And I'm not, I'm not even talking about specific to iRhythm, more right. in general. How, how, do we, mm-hmm. how do we as talent leaders think about the concept of if, if we've got the secret sauce and we've got something that people want to align themselves with, then what else are the barriers? Um, I think one of the barriers is making sure that people join us for the right reason. Mm-hmm. That I'll tell a story um, that, yes, we've turned down candidates that on paper are highly qualified, mm-hmm. but really they 
don't have the right mission. Mm-hmm. And you, again, we're in San Francisco where, you know, all this great things going on, but we don't pay like Google. We don't pay like Facebook, but people that come to us come for other reasons. Mm-hmm. So it's really finding that person that shares the same value. And we talk about that as we look at our mission for the organization, you know, what, we feel drives us. It's something that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's not just words on a piece of paper, but, you know, passion, bold, boundaryless. Those are words that people have engraved on their doors, on their walls, uh, because we use that in everyday language. Yeah. And we want people to feel like they can talk like that. Well, let's get back to your career. So maybe not related to iRhythm necessarily, but in general, career-wise, what keeps you up at night as a talent leader? Can we or should we keep up with the latest buzz and the latest kind of hot market. Mm -hmm. So technology has changed dramatically in talent acquisition the last few years. There's an app for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of them tools we definitely need. You know, I still struggle with scheduling candidates. It's a huge pain point. We've tried everything we can think of. There's technology that we're looking at um, to help us, but it's definitely have a need. And so For me, it's like, you know, are we really doing the best that we can do? Are we losing out to the competitors? There's a lot of noise out there. And so really, what is the best practice? Yeah. Where should we focus our time and attention? Yeah. We're spending a lot of time on, again, employee experience, development, retention, engagement, um, making sure people feel like they're part of it. So a lot of it is... Where it used to be just skill set, it's now it's really are you feeling part of this community? You know, do you have the tools that you need to be successful? Mm-hmm. And that's not always an easy thing to to do. Yeah, I I, I would imagine. And um, if in fact you have not only this sort of FOMO on what are you missing out on mm-hmm. on technology, but probably also on your talent acquisition team, the team themselves are getting randomized daily with. People contacting them saying, you ought to use this or we oh we'd like to set up a demo. What do you recommend to a leader who's struggling with that conundrum of we're pretty sure we're missing something on the tech front, but we don't actually have enough time to figure it out? Right. I'm finding that companies are much more into information sharing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, there's a company based out of, I think it's out of San Francisco, um, Atlantean. Mm-hmm. And if you go on their website... They have a whole HR section and everything from, you know, how to create small teams to talent management to recruiting ideas. Um, I think Google may do the same, but large organizations are really sharing their resources, Mm -hmm. um, which to me is amazing. It's, you know, used to be, hey, this is mine. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to share anything Mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. It has opened up so much that, you know, I'll just look to see, oh, I wonder what this company is doing and what ideas they have to share. And again, the information that they they put out there is is tremendous. So you're looking at that as a resource. Mm -hmm. What are your favorite sources? Newsletters, podcasts, webinars? I mean, do you you have a favorite out Um, there? You know, I... It's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Harvard Business Review, mm-hmm. um, I subscribe to that. So I get, you know, their daily, sometimes twice a day emails, the magazines. Um, mm-hmm. I love, even though it's not specifically related to HR, mm-hmm. there's so many golden nuggets that come out of that. Mm-hmm. 
that um, to me, that's a oh, tremendous resource. I listen to podcasts, certainly mm-hmm. yours. Oh, I think um, you. I also listen to Audible a lot. Yeah. I love listening to um, books that kind of are really more self-awareness, just how to lead and manage. Mm-hmm. So two of my favorites that I keep going back to, Kim Scott has a book called Radical Candor and Laszlo. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, his work roles. Mm-hmm. So that's always, I always use that as my brush with HR greatness after I read his book. Um, it was during a time where I was getting kind of down on, you know, mm-hmm. HR, do I want to do something different? Mm-hmm. And reading his book really kind of re-energized me. It's like, you know, there's a lot of great things we could do. And I wow. sent him a note on cool. LinkedIn saying, uh-huh. hey, just read your book, blah, blah, blah. And he, he pinged me back. It's like, oh, great. Glad you enjoyed it. So uh-huh. I'm like, oh, my oh. brush with HR Green. <laughs> I love it. So those are the type of books. So you've overcome a lot of obstacles mm-hmm. here, there, everywhere, moving from one job to another, raising your kids. What advice do you have to executive women, especially those who want to be able to do well in all areas of their life? You know, we, we like to think we can strive for perfection and be um, like the totally best mom, the best wife, the best friend, the best worker. And you can't do that. I mean, it's just not, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be happy in what you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my priorities shift over time. At one point, you know, my kids will always be my top priority, but they're older. One's out of high school, one's a a sophomore in high school, so they don't need me as much as they used to. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of, again, trying to prioritize at that point in your life what's important and know that it really is all interconnected Mm -hmm. and it will ebb and flow. There will be times where you really need to focus more attention on this aspect and then on this aspect, and it's okay that you're not plugging your finger into all the holes in the dam. You, know, yeah. you really are kind of putting your attention where you feel mm-hmm. this is where it needs to be, and yeah. that's okay. It'll shift. I read a book early in my career called Sequencing, and the concept was exactly what you just described. It's, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. Right. So you might be good at two things right now, and then leave one behind and then right. pick up uh, another focus area. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think we have this image of somebody out there who's mm-hmm. getting everything right, right, taking all the boxes. I don't actually think that person no. exists. And it's because we don't see any of the battle scars. We only see, you know, right. what is the gleaming image. Right. And yeah. it's interesting you bring that up because yeah. um, certainly social media has a lot of advantages. <laughs> You know, as you look at branding on a personal level, I've pretty much gotten off of social media. Really? I'm not on Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of it that I found, it was more kind of, hey, look at how great everything is. Mm-hmm. And I hope it is that great. But, you know, I felt that I just really need to focus my kind of attention more on, on some of the real world yeah. stories and not it, the it, fans. It does tend to be a time suck, which mm-hmm. is one issue. And then there's a sort of, I would call it an emotional suck. So do you fun. have somebody either in the marketing team or the talent acquisition team who kind of runs social media for employment branding purposes? Yeah. You know, we're actually building out that function now Okay. Um, because we have been such a high growth organization, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's kind of hard to find little carve out niche time, say, okay, we're going to focus on this. We have a tremendous marketing group and they've helped us in the past as we look at where we're going in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, that is definitely an area that we will be building out yeah. uh, because it's, you know, you, you can't not do it. Right. 
So I have actually outsourced that before. I have also outsourced, as you know, recruiting mm -hmm. and I've run an RPO. Tell me your opinion on the, the state of RPO and what, if any, place that has in a talent acquisition strategy. You know, I have a personal affinity to outsourcing just because spending a lot of my time at Hewitt yeah. and I really see a lot of value and know great people that have built it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is definitely needed in pieces and it's not a cookie cutter answer. Um, you know, we've had some great conversations about, you know, well, what pieces make sense of outsourcing? You know, is it sourcing candidates? Is it the branding? Is it um, the offer stage? For some organizations, I think outsourcing, all of it is the way to go. And mm -hmm. that depends upon their business model and, you know, how they work their internal processes. It's like the cafeteria style. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can pick this, choose that. I think there's tremendous value in that, too. So it has to be the right time, right role. Exactly. Right fit, right partner. Exactly. Yes, I, I agree. Let's go back to the battle scars thing. That was my word, not yours. But <laughs> I, do, show. I do talk about that a lot, especially with my clients. It's not that I've got all the answers. I just have a lot of battle scars. So I come alongside talent acquisition leaders and try and help them not make some of the same mistakes mm -hmm. that I did. Nobody ever likes to talk about their failures or things yeah. that they would do differently, but I just know my listeners are interested in that and they mm -hmm. want to hear what other leaders really face. We are not the phantom talent acquisition leaders. We are the yeah. real talent acquisition leaders yeah, and it's hard. So any lessons learned, anything from your experience that you look back on and go, oh, if I could do that again differently, I would, I would probably do it much differently. Yeah. Um, I think that really a couple things come up to mind. Um, one going back to resilience and even in when things are going great, you know, you still need to believe in yourself and believe in your team and, and know that whatever obstacles may come up, you'll handle it together. On a per more personal side, I wish I had done a better job of self-promoting, if that makes mm. sense. Um, you know, I tend to be, all right, tell me what you need to get done. I'm going to get it done and, yeah. um, keep your head down. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Talent acquisition tends to, in my experiences, again, tends to be the scapegoat sometimes. And so it's kind of this, what have you done for me lately? Um, you're only as good as your last hire. Mm -hmm. You've know, used phrases like that. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? <laughs> yes. And the answer to that is, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. But I think we need to do a better job in selling that story, telling mm -hmm. that story. And not in a, hey, woe is me. You know, this is so hard. But really helping others understand this is everything that goes on in what we do. And here's what I've we've accomplished as a team and here's the impact that we've made in the business. Yeah. I think we can do, and it goes back to your storytelling. I think we can do a better job or I know I could do a better job in that storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that would help really overall the business leaders, the team, myself. Yeah. Then, you know, sometimes I just feel like you get beat, beaten up, mm -hmm. right? It's like, okay, mm -hmm. let's take it and go on to the next. But right. You know, if we can share that story and say, hey, here's what we've done and mm -hmm. um, here's where we've accomplished. And I think that'll help tremendously. Yeah, good. I think that's a really great insight. And it's one of those things that you probably can't see it until it hits you over the head. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that because we, yes. we are not always very good at being our own best self promoters. Right. And the power of storytelling married to that need mm 
mm-hmm. is potentially a really, a really important one. That's almost where I want to leave it, but I want to ask you for one more little tidbit, and that okay. is if you were mentoring a young professional who mm-hmm. loves talent acquisition, talent management, they think they want to make their career in it, and they want to be a big leader in a larger organization, what advice do you give them? I would say um, go for it, and I would say be open to a variety of responsibilities that, um, you know, sometimes even now I have to roll up my sleeves and get down really deep and dirty into the weeds. Um, but that's okay. Uh-huh. You, you, you take, you learn from that and it gives you a different perspective. So don't be afraid to, or don't think, Hey, you know what? That's not me. As I look through my career, if you look at it on paper, it looks like there are times, well, I may have taken a step back or taken a step sideways, mm-hmm. but I did that for, for certain reasons, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Joining Hewitt, I knew that there's a lot of opportunity here. I may have to get really deep in the weeds, do something a little bit different, but I know the reward will be tremendous. Don't look at things like, here's my, here's my path and I'm not going to stray from it. Mm-hmm. Be open, be flexible. Again, don't be afraid to do something different if it's going to get you back to where you want to go. I love it. There is no easy way. There's no, again, there's no one way. There is no one way. Yeah. Especially in these times when people don't stay at a company for 20 years anymore. And that's not expected. And I think you're, you're probably a bit of a unicorn if you are staying that long. Nothing against it. But I think... What you're describing is kind of be open to what the next opportunity is yes. and see if you can learn something from it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it may not be what you think ideally. Okay. Then mm-hmm. yes. My next career, I have to be a senior manager now Yeah, right. and I have to do right. this. That's really close minded and yeah. it will hurt you in your career growth. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. This was super fun and uh, you have some really great insights. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. This podcast is independently produced in collaboration with ERE.net, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can email Erin directly at E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N at people-results.com. You can also follow Erin on Twitter at Erin McPeterson, connect with her on LinkedIn, and learn more about her practice at people-results.com.